Welcome to the latest edition of our Fixed Interest podcast series. My name's Tony Stringer and I'm a Managing Director in Fitch's Global Sovereigns Group. I'm joined today by Brian Colton, our Chief Economist and the lead author of Fitch's quarterly Global Economic Outlook Report, the December edition of which has just been published. So Brian, looking at your updated forecast for global growth, the aggregated numbers haven't moved that much since the September GEO. But have there been any changes to any of the trends that we were seeing then? I'm thinking particularly in the context of the outlook for global trade. Are you any more optimistic about upside risk to our forecasts for 2020 and beyond? I think one of the key messages is that we are feeling a little bit more confident in our judgment that global growth is going to stabilise more or less in 2020 compared to where it is this year. So we've had the big step down in global growth this year. We didn't think that it would go down much more in 2020. I think as, as we do this forecast uh, right at the end of 2019, we're more optimistic in that judgment. And there's some signs that maybe the manufacturing side is not due for any rebound, but certainly not necessarily getting worse. So we might be a, a bit closer to a bottoming out on the, on the trade and the manufacturing side. China, we think, is going to stabilise next year. So I think that's really the, the main message in terms of the overall picture. So one of those themes um, that we've talked about a lot and we keep coming back to is the the US-China trade talks. Uh, It's been a focus again this week in the the NATO summit here in the UK. Uh, Do we detect any change in the mood music? And if so, have we made any assumptions, any changes to our, our assumptions about tariffs and how they inform our forecasts? I think if we take the whole period between the last geo and this one, the mood music has improved. The US and China are, are talking. We avoided no deal Brexit. We went past the date where we thought we could see US tariff hikes on, on Europe, uh, European autos, and that didn't happen. Overall, I think that the, the balance of the news there has been positive, but as this week has shown, we really can't assume that there's going to be a phase one deal until we actually see it on paper. So at the moment, we're sticking with our assumption that those tariff increases announced by the US in August are going to go through one way or another. Now, we've, we've been through October 15, where we were expecting to see some tariffs rise, and that didn't happen. So, But that was a relatively small part of the overall package. So we're still, for the purposes of this forecast, assuming that the, uh, that the tariffs do go up. So another key theme that comes out of the report is that with global manufacturing still in a relative slump, the level of support for growth among the advanced economies is really coming from the services sector. So to what extent are services supported by household spending preventing a more dramatic slowdown in global growth? And should we be worried if there are any signs of consumption growth easing going forward? I think your your last question there is absolutely crucial because this was a a key judgment that we took in the last geo that there would be an important cushion from the services sector. And what we've done in this geo really is, is kind of really kick the tyres quite hard on that sort of dichotomy between manufacturing and services. And, you know, I, th- I, think, I think the conclusion we've drawn is that quite often manufacturing is overstated how important that is, particularly for the advanced econ- economies. It tends to be about 10 or 15% of GDP as opposed to 70% of GDP is services. And when we look at how the trade war has panned out in terms of the shock it's, it's imparted to growth, part of that's been exports, but part of it's been business investment. Well, when business investment slows down, it tends to have a much bigger impact on manufacturing than it does on the demand for services. The demand for services is much more closely related to, to government spending and particularly private consumption spending. 
And when you look closely at what's been happening to private consumption in the advanced countries, it's actually been pretty stable. So we've had ups and downs in the US, but when you look through the noise, it's really hard to detect any slowdown at all, to be honest, in consumption growth in the US. It's been rock solid at 2.5% for the last two years. Now, we do think it's going to slow down a little bit, but we've only got to go into about 2 percent 2 In the Eurozone, consumption has slowed, but it's not slowed anywhere near as much as business investment or manufacturing. And in the last six months, it's picked up a little bit. So, um, you know, when you think about the, the drivers of the consumer, they're all looking pretty strong, to be honest. We've got 50-year low in unemployment in the US. Job growth is still solid. It's slowing down a little bit. Wage growth is picking up. Um, and you see both in the US and the Eurozone, nominal terms, income growth has, has, been, has been rising. Uh, in real terms, even more, because headline inflation has been going, going down. So it's not that difficult to understand why the consumer is looking relatively resilient. And we don't really see that that's going to change very dramatically over the, over the next 12 to 18 months. So I think the consumer is going to hold up quite well, and I think that's going to support the services sector. And we're going to continue to see that growth in, in output uh, on the non-manufacturing side as a whole is going to remain fairly strong. And I think that's a, that's a really important part of this global, global growth mix that we have, and one of the reasons why we don't expect global growth to take another sharp downturn in 2020. So maybe getting into a bit more detail on individual regions and countries, as we've discussed, the overall picture on the, on the global aggregated numbers hasn't changed very much, but it looks like there have been some reasonably material revisions to the outlook for some economies, and I'm thinking particularly here in terms of emerging markets. So what are the main revisions, and, and are they being driven by idiosyncratic factors within those countries or more broader structural trends? First of all, to say, you know, when we, when we focus on the, the big drivers of the world economy, there's three, three that really matter. It's the US, China, and the Eurozone, and none of those are really changed uh, materially. Slightly, slightly stronger number for the Eurozone this year. It's in emerging markets where there have been bigger swings. It's been a mixed pattern there. So India, a, a really big downgrade. So we've had a, a shocking GDP number for Q3 2019 clearer and clearer evidence that the squeeze in the non-bank financial sector, the shadow finance sector squeeze, is really impacting domestic demand there quite aggressively. We think that's got further to go. We've actually now got a further decline in Indian growth in, in Q4. So we've knocked almost 1% off our forecast for Indian growth uh, in 2019-2020. We're down to 4.5%. That's a really low number for India. So that's, that's a really big change and, and a big economy. But then the broader picture across the emerging markets is, is, is not quite as severe as that. So Mexico, we've taken down as well. But then Turkey's looking a little bit better. Uh, we've pushed up our numbers for 2019. We've now got a slightly positive number. But both Brazil and Russia are also looking a little bit better. Brazil, the numbers are starting to show that we've been waiting for a pickup in investment in Brazil, and it's not really come through yet. But the last six months, the numbers are now looking like that's gaining a little bit of momentum. Something similar in Russia, the consumer's looking quite solid there. Fiscal policy has been a drag on growth in Russia, but that, that's now getting a little bit less, less intense, um, and, and investment's starting to improve. So we've got Brazil and Russia improving, Turkey going back to positive growth after, after a few very negative quarters. Net-net, when we look at emerging markets ex-China, that situation is actually, we're actually seeing an improvement in growth there. So it, it's a mixed bag for EM outside China, but it's, it's not all negative news. So finally, um, with monetary policy settings continuing to ease, questions are increasingly being asked about the extent to which fiscal policy 
should take more of the strain in providing stimulus to the to the economies, particularly the advanced economies. How do you see that playing out, and can it really make a difference to growth in the advanced economies over the medium term? Well, there's certainly been a big change in the debate. The IMF and others calling for more direct fiscal stimulus. And I think one way or another, it looks like we are going to get that. So, you know, if we look at, um, we've had since the last GEO, we've had a clear move to easier fiscal policy in the UK announced. That could be even more so, depending on the outcome of the election. We've had a, a quite an aggressive stimulus package in South Korea. It's being debated. Another stimulus package in Japan is being debated. US fiscal policy remains very loose, depending on you know, whichever way you try and measure it at this point in the cycle a very expansionary uh, federal budget position in the US. And then sovereign work on China shows that the general government deficit there is rising from 4% of GDP in 2018 to over 6% this year and next year. Now, that's not typically been the way that China has eased policy in the past, so we don't have a lot to go on in terms of of how that might affect the economy, but I do think there's going to be a benefit to growth there. And then, um, you know, some fiscal fiscal tightening in, in Russia becoming less significant as well. So I think when you add it all up, Yes, we're probably not getting as much from, from Germany as maybe uh, some of the policy discussion would, would suggest. That, uh, but overall, for the Eurozone, we are looking at positive fiscal impulse, a fiscal easing of about 0.3% uh, this year and next year. So that, you know, that, that's going to make a difference. We had a, a small net tightening in 2018, according to the European Commission structural budget balance numbers. So Eurozone, US, uh, UK, Korea, maybe Japan, certainly China, that kind of adds up to quite a lot. So I think that will be quite an important factor in, in, uh, in cushioning the slowdown in global growth. And I, th- I think it makes sense. I mean, monetary policy is kind of reaching, reaching, it's getting quite close to the limits of how much extra benefit you can squeeze out of, squeeze out of monetary policy. Thanks very much for those insights, Brian, and thank you for listening. You can access the December Global Economic Outlook Report along with our other sovereign and economics research on Fitch's website. We hope you join us for the next edition of Fixed Interests.